Hey guys, welcome back to Season 2 of the Asian Hustle Network Podcast, where we dive deep into stories of Asian entrepreneurs around the world. Be sure to check out our book, Uplifted, Journeys of Abundance, Community, and Identity, and check out our directory and marketplace at AsianHustleNetwork.com. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. If you like this podcast, don't forget to leave a five-star review. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network Podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today we have two superstars. You might have seen them on TikTok and social media. They're pretty much everywhere. But today we want to welcome the two guys from One Salting, Jonathan Javier and Jerry Lee. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. Very excited to have you guys too. We'll hop into the first question that we always ask. Jonathan, tell us about your upbringing and who you are. Yeah, so I'm Jonathan, co-founder here at One Salting. And yeah, I come from Filipino-American background, born in Orange County area, but grew up all the way in Los Angeles and Downey, California, if anybody knows where that's at. But yeah, I mean, my upbringing, I've always been motivated to get into my career and make some good money and provide for my family because my mom was the only one who was providing for my family. She's the only one who worked. And my dad was actually the stay-at-home dad. So it was a very opposite of the moms being stay-at-home, but it was the dad instead. So that really motivated me to get into my career at first. But yeah, when I was trying to first get in my career, wasn't really able to get in because I always blamed my school because I came from like a non-target school where a lot of opportunities didn't come about. But I realized through networking, through optimizing your resume, which is the strategies that we teach at One Salting, was able to land my first job at Snapchat. So I worked at Snapchat first. And then I went to Google for a little bit, worked at Cisco. And I thought that that corporate lifestyle, that tech, like working in tech was the big thing for me at first, because I thought that was my dream job. Where in fact, I realized that soon, soon after that helping people get into their dream jobs was actually my dream job. And doing it with a co-founder like Jerry makes it even better. So co-founded One Salting in about 2019. It was just an idea at first but it's became into a full-fledged business and we've been on it for about two years so far and have enjoyed it so much, especially helping now millions of people on our social media following. So that's a little bit about me. I'll hand it off to Jerry. <laughs> Go ahead, Jerry. All right. First, Brian, AHA family, thank you for having me on here. I'm so excited to be here. As for people who may not know, my name is Jerry, the other half of Wonsulting. And similarly to Jonathan, I actually grew up in a first generation low income household where, you know, my family didn't have all the resources or connections to get into these bigger companies. And so I remember when I was a freshman in college, I remember I told my parents, hey, listen, I'm going to from now on, I'm going to be financially independent from you guys. And if anything, I'm actually going to help support you guys even during my college experience and more beyond that. And from there, that has sort of been my guiding principle for my motivation, who I am, what I want to do with my career, and so on and so forth. And so I started my career at Google, was there for a couple of years before I left to work at another company. And similar to John, the passion for helping others find their careers through consulting came from me having to 
do all that myself, make all these rookie mistakes. I remember I'll send out cover letters with the wrong company names listed on the actual cover letters. And I'd be like, oh my gosh. But it's through these experiences that I began to realize that no one knows really how to do this job search thing. No one teaches you. And if you don't have family members or people in your immediate network to help guide you, you're going to spend three to five years of your career figuring it out. And then you'll start to really get it deep into your career. And so that for me was something I personally felt since I started college up until till, till today, whenever we talk to members of our community, we keep hearing the same type of themes. And that's what motivates me. That's what motivates us to come together to start one consulting and help people turn from underdogs into winners. I love the mission. You know, when I, when I did some Google research earlier, I saw that mission state immediately, you know, help underdogs be winners. And that's right. I, I love the underdog story, right? Personally, I feel like there's a lot of, under, there's more underdogs out there than there are people who born are born into privilege, right? And I really like the fact that you guys are able to gather stuff from your own experience. Uh, like how do we gain a competitive edge by not going, by not coming from an elite school or an elite background or whatever connections that we have, Right. And that we can all become winners. So out of curiosity, how did you two meet? And like, how does this idea come up? I'm kind of curious. Yeah. So we met on our favorite platform, our favorite dating platform. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we, met, we met on LinkedIn, actually. So funny story. I was at Snapchat and Jerry was at Google. And basically what happened was I reached out to him on LinkedIn, saw that we had some mutual connections. And we were able to have a phone chat, coffee chat. Jerry was actually one of the first people who was working at Google who gave me some advice on how to break into tech. And so was able to break into Google about maybe a few months later. And then Jerry was like, oh, when you move up to the Bay, let me know and maybe we can host something together. And we had our first workshop, I remember at UC Berkeley. And I was like, hey, Jerry, you want to go do a workshop with me? And so we did our first workshop there in about November 2018, I believe. And ever since then, we've been doing so many workshops just to help many folks from different backgrounds. And it's it's just crazy to think that we were once in the corporate world thinking like, hey, like this is what we're going to do for the rest of our lives. And now we get to do something we're extremely passionate about and excited to help more people. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that John didn't mention is that one of the things that John did, I think before, and this is maybe starting in mid, late 2017, was when John graduated college. I remember seeing him on LinkedIn like crazy. He would post, he would do local workshops all across the SoCal area. And I remember I came across his profile because a couple of my friends were connected to him. They liked some of his content. So I was like, oh, like this is super cool because I used to do a lot of these workshops when I was in college. And so... That's where sort of the whole, hey, whenever you come up to the Bay Area, let's do something together came up and fast forward three and a half years, here we are. Kind of crazy. Yeah, I love how organic this is, right? And I love the almost like the beginning origin stories because it makes you feel like anyone can get started, right? And I feel like for most Asian, most Asian people, you don't you don't go into your corporate thinking that you're gonna be an entrepreneur. Right, you don't go into your corporate career thinking you're this and that. It's we're always programmed to go down the safest path, right? That our parents taught us, like, hey, get a nice, high-paying job, get a house, get married, get a nice car, whatever it is, just very, very comfortable. But I like the fact that you guys organically let this happen, 
right? And with the clear mission of helping the community. And I think it's, it's absolutely necessary. Now that I think about it in my own career, I would ask a lot of my random friends to like look through my resume and be like, hey, like, can you help me out? Like, I'm trying to get this job at so-and-so. I honestly didn't know what the heck I was doing, right? And if you see like an online, you Google like resume helper, you get like a random pop-up and you're like, I don't know if I can trust <laughs> these people, right. man. <laughs> you know, like, how do That's you right. know to help me? So like when you guys first got together, what what was a turning point where you realized that one Sultan was something bigger than you thought? What was a turning point where you're just like, wow, like we can actually turn this to a business and even help more people? What was the thought process behind that? What was the turning point behind that? Yeah, I think maybe Jerry has very similar thoughts, but I think the the turning point was when COVID actually happened during the pandemic. What happened was we started this initiative, which was the One Holding Speaker Series for those who got laid off and forelugged from their jobs, because a lot of people, they had their internships rescinded, their jobs, as, as you can see in the market today, many jobs are, especially in tech, there's a lot of layoffs happening. But yeah, Jerry and I started this initiative with the speaker series where we basically did workshops every single week. And we had speakers and panelists from different companies who were recruiting to recruit the students and job seekers and professionals who had lost their jobs. And during that time, we saw a huge engagement. We would see tens of thousands of people like attend our events. And there was all online because it's just a really interesting switch from being everything in person, which we were doing a lot in the Bay Area and SoCal to now being a virtual world where everybody could attend worldwide. And when that happened, we just saw a huge jump with a lot of our followers, a lot of people signing up for our services, a lot of people signing up to work with us one-on-one because we do one-on-one services. And then we realized, oh, like we can't just do this ourselves. There's too many people signing up. So thinking, how do we scale the business? How do we get more people on board? How do we build out an actual team? And so I think that was the the spark of, okay, let's just do this full time and let's just see what happens. If it fails, just go back to corporate. I think it's very, it was at first difficult to make the leap, but sometimes you just have to make that leap and test it and see if it works. And if it doesn't, just go back into the job market. So I think that was a big turning point for us, especially when going full time. I mean, it's never easy going full time. Right. And I'm glad you guys did it, you know, and I have a lot more questions to ask. And I'm probably going to target Jerry since he's a COO, since I want to hop into the operations side. So when you guys finally figure that this can be something bigger, how did you approach scaling your business, especially at the early point where, you know, cash isn't the most, you know, you don't have a lot of cash <laughs> at the very any at the beginning of any startup. How did you overcome that issue and continue scaling your team and, and worry about creating cash flows for your company? Like, what was the business plan like? Yeah. Funny enough is that I don't think John or I ever sat down together and said, all right, this is going to be our business plan. Here's like our competitors, the market, here's all the research. We very much just sort of kept adapting because people kept asking. So to what John was saying in the earlier stages of launch consulting, I remember like, I would love to just do resume revisions for people for free. And I would just be like, yeah, I just love genuinely love doing this. And after doing about 50 eventually you sort of get a pretty good idea of not only combining your experiences recruiting, but also then seeing it on other pieces of paper and seeing what works. And by and large, like you begin to pattern recognition kicks in very quickly. And so when we were scaling, 
consulting, the biggest question that we had was, well, listen, people are coming to us because they are, they want to get services done by Jerry and once Jerry and Jonathan, not consulting, right? And so that was probably the biggest hurdle that we had to overcome. But one of our friends, Lee, Lee, if you're listening to this, shout out to you, was saying like, hey, listen, you if you guys are doing good work and you guys are preaching the preaching the good word, then people come to you guys not because of that, you know, it might be that they they're doing work by John and Jerry, but most importantly, they are you're they're getting the end output that is approved by John and Jerry. And so as soon as we had that mentality shift, we said, okay, cool. Well, who are the people who are people from our community um, who come from non-traditional backgrounds, who work in these bigger companies and have a big passion for helping others? And so Jason, who was one of our first resume writers and is one of our best resume writers who's still with us today, said, hey, listen, I've interviewed at these 10 different tech companies in my first year. I'm constantly interviewing. And I think to this day, he's probably interviewed at over 40 of the top biggest companies out there. He said, I'm happy to help you guys. And so as soon as we saw that that model work with one person, then we said, cool, let's start bringing on five more. Let's start bringing on 10 more. And then as these, as we continue to scale, the biggest thing we have to think about, we're creating systems and processes such that we can ensure that there, there exists a quality standard, a turnaround standard that we're comfortable with. And that's sort of where we are today. I mean, that's definitely major. Right. And being able to scale and creating systems and processes so early on and quickly, it's almost like stepping from a fire hose, right? Your, your business is growing so fast and you're trying to scale, you're trying to maintain quality. I think that's the biggest thing too, because I think, I feel like for most entrepreneurs, it's actually not the money that runs out for it. It's the energy, right? It's like, oh my God, like, I, I, am I still excited doing this every single day? It's almost like redundant work, but honestly, that's how most business work, Right. So out of curiosity too, like as you're scaling your team to a much bigger size, what qualities do you look for when you hire people on your particular team? And how do you maintain your culture internally? We'll ask that question to Jonathan. Yeah, I was going to let Jerry answer that. <laughs> but yeah, so when we look for talent, we, oh, I personally look for two things. Of course, you fit the qualifications for that specific role. But I think what's really important too is if you're all about our mission, individuals who also come from a similar background as a, as us that identify as an underdog that are from non-traditional backgrounds that are maybe underrepresented or just not as privileged, those individuals we've seen that have joined our teams from the past and the, and the present, these individuals are the ones that are standouts. And the reason why is a lot of them are motivated. They're striving towards a mission. It isn't just a nine to five. You can see throughout the culture of our team, like we try to have a lot of internal events. For example, Jerry just did an event about two weeks ago about prioritization. Last week, we did a team event, which was basically an escape room, which everybody enjoyed. And we were able to solve it, thankfully solve it in 53 minutes out of the hour. So I think that you, of course, bring the qualifications to the table. You fit most of the job description requirements, at least 80%, we like to say. And if you're able to exemplify your why, like, why do you want to join our actual company? It's not like, oh, because I want to just work nine to five and make money. It's because I want to help more underdogs turn the winners. I want to help more people land jobs, just like you and Jerry do. I feel like those individuals we can we have on our team, and that's why our team is always growing and 
just always thankful for an amazing team that we have here at One Soul yeah. Team. And if I could add there, like, I also think we, it's, it's really cool that we are in control of our recruiting process because we can implement everything that we preach. So for example, one of the things that we preach often is, listen, someone doesn't need to do the job for them to be good at a job. If they can have those relevant skills that are transferable, awesome, let's do it. Our ops manager, someone we just hired, has a background in managing coffee shops. Nothing related to doing anything e-commerce or you know service career related business, nothing. Kills it, incredible hire. Our product manager is a college student. Well, or what was a college student. And so, you know, like he like dropped out of college for us and stuff. And so like, but he's arguably probably the top five people I've ever worked with. Probably the people I've worked with at Google and, and, every, and everywhere else. And the list just goes on and on. I can tell you something that's incredible about everyone on our team. And, but we didn't go through the traditional route of, okay, they must go to Harvard. They must have Google on the resume. And only then they are qualified or considered good. We very much adopt a lot of the principles that we sort of preach, having this salary and the job descriptions and so on and so forth, because we want, we are being the change that we want to see in the, in the industry. And so little things like this start with us. So beyond what John said, and John has, John's like innate ability to like recognize top talent is actually really incredible. And so I think with the balance of those two things, it really helps us find and source really top talent. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool hearing you guys complement your skill sets together. You know, it's it honestly takes the whole village in order to make a company successful. And honestly, it takes two co-founders really believing to the mission in order to drive through all the uncertainty and crap that goes on, right? And what we hear so far is all the great side of running a business. We want to hear the bad side now, the, the sides where you wake up, you're like screaming in your pillow, you're banging your, hands against, banging your head against the wall and you're like, why am I doing this? Why is it so hard? I could be having a corporate career, you know, go back to a job and just live a very simple, happy, warm life, comfortable life. Talk, talk to me about your bad times. Like what situation that made you sort of rethink everything that made you feel like, oh man, like, am I the one that should be leading this organization? Because imposter syndrome happens a lot in entrepreneurship, right? And honestly, I don't think it's honestly talked about enough among the Asian community or in the entrepreneur community in general. So I just want to hear about your bad days. What instance made you rethink everything? How'd you overcome that? And how'd you keep your mental health in check too? Because, you know, they say that entrepreneurs are statistically the most depressed people out there for good or for bad, but I just want to hear about your story. Yeah, it's 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 interesting for us because not only are John or I, John and I are entrepreneurs, but we're also creators as well. So when you mix those two things together, I think, Things, things feel a little bit weird sometimes. You're like, am I a creator? Am I an entrepreneur? But one of the, I think the hardest parts, especially when we were first creators, was when we, again, every creator gets hate. When we first got our first wave of hate, we're like, huh, like, why is this? Like, are we are we truly like doing this with ill intentions? Are we like, it really, like John and I talked about this a lot. Like we really questioned like, like should we even be truly doing this? But I think for me, what really helped was, and John said, says this all the time. Why why give energy to the 1% of people who are haters and not give energy to the 99% of people who love the work that you're doing? Like, we know our intentions. We know that why we're doing it. We know why we quit our lucrative jobs in tech where we could be making so much more money to a lower paying job where arguably we have to work more and the work never stops. 
for us, it really goes back to why we even started one Sulting in the first place. And so I think the initial wave of hate was something where I had to really question, like, do I even want to create content? Like, do I even want to continue to do this? Like, like, like what am I even doing type of mentality? I think that was probably one of the first and hardest things to swallow. But now I very much welcome hate. I'm like, hey, if you're going to hate on my con content, don't create a separate TikTok. Just comment on my videos. So at least it'll, it'll boost the engagement. All right. <laughs> That's also my mentality too. I think I feel like, you know, like hate and spam are okay. Just, <laughs> just make sure it's on my video, not, not your own video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to add to that really quickly, but definitely agree with Jerry it's focusing on the 99% of people who support you rather than the 1% who don't. 1% are usually the trolls or just individuals who you don't necessarily know, but who want a response from you. And we've noticed and we've learned throughout the past couple of years, it's like, okay, like maybe you'll get a hate comment. Maybe you'll say something, someone will say something bad. But what usually happens, and Jerry's made me realize this a lot too, is that, for example, maybe we have a, a client that didn't have a good experience, but we had 99% of other clients that had an amazing experience. But then for some reason, we focus on that 1% for some reason, right? How do we duplicate the 99%? How do we keep them going, keep them, keeping them more engaged? So that always having that mentality. A second thing I would say too, which wasn't really a bad instance, but just for me personally was, I remember last year, I was a very yes person, meaning I would always say yes, Let's do this. Yes, yes, yes. Down, down. Right. I didn't really want to get into much like conflict or I thought that it would be conflict. Right. But what I realized is that by questioning things and then also thinking more, thinking more in depth of what's going to help us with the business and grow, I think that's helped a ton. And Jerry has helped me realize it helped me make me think more in regards to my own decision-making. So I feel like I've grown a lot throughout the past couple of years for decision-making too. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome too. Jared, you want to add something? Yeah. And I think to, to John's point around the decision-making, not wanting to like stir the part, stir the pot. I think that very much comes from, even for me, like it stems from when I was growing up, you know, I was always told, listen, like don't stir the part too much, work hard, keep your head down, get it done because that is the way to success. And so I think in a lot of immigrant families that that sort of thought process is really ingrained in our blood and when you try to go against that, it sort of feels unnatural, I think, especially coming from an Asian background. And so for me, like that's something I had to overcome, still continually working on. And, you know, thankfully, you know, it's good to have someone like John to be my accountability partner where we can both call each other out and say, hey, listen, like, did you actually, did you agree or are you just agreeing, you know? Yeah, I mean, those are the type of best partnerships, right? And unfortunately, it's, Sometimes you get very unprofessional sometimes, <laughs> but you need that someone to keep yourself in check and really give you that all like super reality check. Like, For sure. otherwise you don't know if your company is going in the right direction. If someone keeps telling you, Jerry, great job, Jerry. Oh, I love that program. You know, it's always the one that goes, Jerry, I think you do that better. Right. As long as it stays constructive and not toxic, that's the most important part. And you know, I'm glad that you two have each other. Through, the, through this journey because it's tough right and I mean getting to the hate comments getting through decision making all those things it's there's a lot of stuff for us to unlearn culturally like that why not me like why can't i do it you know i'm awesome why can't i do it right and sometimes you need not only do you need to be your own biggest cheerleader but you need someone else to cheer you on as well through, through like through the darkest times yeah. And you know, what's funny about balance between the dynamic between me and John is I feel like on the spectrum of like, 
you know, being like a yes man and like a toxic no. Well, like, I think we're both on the opposite side of the spectrum. John definitely is a nicer, like, yeah, for sure. I'm definitely more of a no. Are you sure? Why? What's, what's the reasoning? And so it's, it's interesting because I think like we both started on opposite side of the spectrum. And now I think we're learning about how we can be more towards the middle, less so on the opposite ends. But yeah, I remember yeah, I think John would John could tell you a lot of stories about how in the beginning, like I would just be a complete toxic person and just say no to everything. <laughs> what I would say, I would say, just to add real quick, that because of Jerry's questioning or it's improved the team significantly. Like I think the culture of Wong Soul thing is everybody is so dedicated to the mission and to the company. And they always ask questions to for the betterment of the company. And before in the beginning, everyone would just be like, okay, like, yeah, let's just do it like down. But now I've seen so much growth in many different people on the team, whether it's our marketing manager, whether it's our product manager asking these questions and then helping us take a step back and then say, okay, is this the best decision for the company and for us? I think that, that because of that mentality, Jerry's speaking about, it's helped our team significantly. I love that. I would have got it. I would have got switched up. I would think that Jerry's would be the one who says yes to everything and John says no. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you guys cleared up during this podcast. And I'm kind of I want to ask a question about your your energy levels. Right. And the reason why I asked that because you're both a content creator and an entrepreneur. Right. How do you keep your motivation high? How do you keep yourself refreshed? How do you find a balance between working and not working? Because that is a struggle for most entrepreneurs because there's always something to do, always something to improve. You know, you think about it all the time when you wake up, when you sleep, when you shower on weekends. So how do you keep yourself, for lack of a better term, moving forward and keeping yourself refreshed? I think what pushes me a lot is that we hold each other accountable, right? Like if something gets repetitive or something that we're tired about, we're very transparent with each other. And I feel like that transparency has helped us a ton, especially with growing. For example, one of the things that I recently experienced was like content burnout, right? Because sometimes you're talking about job search, you're creating content to help people get jobs. It's great. But sometimes it's like, oh, I just already did this. I already talked about this tip, right? So I remember telling Jerry about this. I was like, dang, like, I feel like I just talk about the same thing over and over again. But Jerry was like, why don't you go do something else, something new and and go out there and have fun with it. And so like in the past couple of weeks, I've been having fun with it. Like I went out, did some interviews with some people, tried to get their reactions from actual hiring managers, taking a look at resumes. And I feel like that fun aspect of your work has definitely evolved for me personally. I feel like when you're able to have that and not just see a job as just a job, a nine to five, but something you truly enjoy doing every single day. I think that's one of the most important parts, especially with continuing the work that you do. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think that, I think first, the the thing that comes to mind for me is like allocating time between being a content creator as well as being an entrepreneur. And I think, thankfully, with the content that we create, it does, it's not it doesn't require us three weeks of editing for us to get one piece of content out. Very much we strive towards to be more educational rather than entertainment, quality editing, and, and so on and so forth. But as John mentioned, yeah, like sometimes it can be very exhausting, especially when you're pumping out two to three pieces of content every single day for a year and a half. After a certain point, it just becomes like, 
oh my God, like you wake up, you're like, do I have content backed up? No. Okay. Well, I guess I got to hop on a camera right now, even if I don't want to want to be. And so that can very much be very draining at times, but as sort of John mentioned, I think at least on the content side, thinking, thinking of it as more fun and more like, Hey, this is a hobby that we can do, but also being cognizant of how can we then weave that into the success of our business I think it's incredibly important, but as an entrepreneur on the entrepreneur side of things, I think the biggest thing that John and I have learned in the past six months have been like delegating, making sure we're okay to let go, giving people more trust, saying, listen, like this is your ownership and I am here to help you solve these problems, but I I am not the person to do all the work for you type of thing has really helped us get a much better work-life balance in a sense. So it's cool to sort of see us develop as a leader, but mo- also more importantly, as someone who is trying to make sure we have a life outside of work as well. Yeah, I think I think you touched upon a really good point too, right? Being a delegate. I think that myself included, I used to have problems with delegating just because I'm very particular with the way I like to do, do, like to do things. But it's crazy because the more you delegate, the more involved the team is right because they feel like they have a voice and opinion inside your organization and most of the time they're better than you <laughs> I'm not gonna, I, yeah I, I can honestly say that you know like the some things i thought i was really good at then i'm like wow like this is a totally different perspective and that's that does things so much better right and it builds team culture it builds trust and honestly it helps you guys save your mental energy a lot because sometimes as you guys know, there's a lot of different fires that happen every single day. Whereas you wake up, you're like, wow, that was unexpected. What a horrible day. <laughs> you <know? Yeah. laughs> so what's next for one salty, right? As you guys continue to evolve your platform and what you guys do online, what can we expect from you guys in the next year, two years, five years from now? Yeah, I think two things on the creator side of things. I think you'll begin to see a lot more thought provoking type of content. One of the things that John's working on, at least on the content side, is how do we include other people's thoughts, stories into, you know, the real life process of, of job search. On my end, I'm doing a lot more research projects as like, hey, you know, if we had the two same resumes, one was a female name and a male name, what would get more interviews, right? So really trying to push the boundaries of being thought leader within this space. So that's what you can expect on the content side, really trying to innovate a bit more on the content and being thought leaders there. And on the business, I think what you'll, you'll what you'll find from us is refinement. I think on the services side, I think we have really thought through the service model that we want to have, what we feel like is a formula for someone to get a job. And so I think refining that model and making sure that use, all users have a very cohesive experience, I think is going to be really important. And most importantly, how we can use technology to better enhance the experience. And so we showcased a product to the world about a month and a half ago called Resume AI, which is a machine learning during tool to help you write your resume bullet points. Like if you guys thought that was cool now, like you wouldn't believe what we have in the pipeline coming down for you guys. So like really those three pillars, the content, refinement, and really pushing the boundaries, I think are going to be the three pillars of our next six to 12 months. And that's exciting. I mean, we're definitely going to look forward to all of that. I was telling Jerry be- right before the podcast that he lives on my TikTok for you page. 
every time I log <laughs> on, this dude is always giving me resume advice. And I'm like, man, should I just go ahead and apply for a corporate job again? Because he's really good advice. Got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as we're approaching the next part and the last part of the podcast, I'm going to ask two different questions. And for Jonathan, I'm going to ask you the question, What is what would be one advice would you give to an aspiring entrepreneur just getting started with their career? Yeah, I would say for aspiring entrepreneurs, the way I think of it is that working at a big working at big companies is definitely important to learn the different processes, how they recruit and more, and then having your side hustle as an entrepreneurship route. And then once you get your full-time business, or once you get your full-time role, basically you're tired of it, or you feel like you've already reached your peak, then you switch to doing that side hustle as your main hustle. I think that was really important to me because for example, what I would do is I worked in those respective companies at Snap, Google, Cisco, whatever money I made there, I would invest it back into consulting, for example, when I was first starting. And by doing that, you could just see like, how do these companies recruit from Google or Cisco or whatever it is? So for those who are trying to start their own businesses, my advice would be break into a company that break into a company that has something that you want to do later on as an entrepreneur, because you can learn about exactly how they do it and then implement it to your own company, except have your own spin to it. That's how I learned, especially with growing with consulting. That's really, really good advice. Right. And I used to think I was the only one that thought that way, <laughs> very much the same way. I joined perfectly smaller startups like learner systems and processes because I felt like going to bigger companies, I was just a piece in the puzzle. Right? I didn't know about the culture. I didn't know about financial reports or recruiting, all that stuff. So I absolutely agree with that advice, Jonathan. Great tip. And for Jerry, what advice would you give to an aspiring content creator just getting started right now? The advice that I would give to an aspiring content creator would be to hit up John for content advice. I literally followed everything that John told me. But in all seriousness, I think the biggest thing I learned from John around content is an 80% solution that you can post today is so much better than a 100% piece of content that you can post three weeks later. And so when people first get started, I think, especially me, I was very much focused on getting like the frame perfect right for my captions and then i would edit every little nuanced detail and if like i was like oh wait a hair's a hair's like misplaced here i gotta re-record the whole thing and i remember i was so afraid that people would care about these minute details when in fact people actually like when content feels a little bit more personal it feels less corporate feels like you've you didn't invest hours into creating this content of course unless that's what you want to go for you want to be a mr b style type of creator then you should totally do that but for everyday people like me what i think matters most is that just getting in the reps because the more that you can get the reps in the higher chances you'll have of actually learning how to be a better creator yourself perhaps you'll even be able to edit faster you'll be able to think about new software like using CapCut or whatever and so that's me is what i would say yeah i mean great advice as well right i think the hardest thing is getting started I think also the harder thing is finding your niche, something that you're passionate about talking sure. about almost every single day, right? If you're not passionate about it, it'll show in your content. They'll be like, oh, this guy really doesn't like what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, how can right. our listeners find out more about you guys and more about One Salty online? Yeah, OneSalty.com has everything that you need to know us know about us there. If you're looking for your next job and you're looking to get started, OneSalty.com slash resources. We have free resume templates, resume examples, cover letter templates, everything that you need to get your job started. Of course, we have our services in case you do want. Listen, John, Jerry, I don't even want to think about it. Just do it for me. We have our services there. And of course, if you're on social media, Wonsulting everywhere on YouTube, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, you'll find us there. Amazing. Well, thank you two so much for being on the podcast today. We learned so much about you guys and Wonsulting, and we wish you nothing but the best in the future. Thank you guys. Thanks thank for having us. having us. Of course. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.